0: Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 135, and I'm talking with two-time Olympian, Sarah True. Sarah is a triathlete, and she competed in both the London and the Rio Olympics, and she recently transitioned into full Ironman training. She just completed her first Ironman, Ironman Frankfurt, where she placed second, qualifying for Kona where she will compete this fall. When we recorded this interview, she was just in the taper mode for Ironman Frankfurt. So we did not know the outcome of that race yet. And I'm so happy to hear that she did so well. Sarah's married to one of my former guests, Ben True. He was episode 116. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. It's pretty cute because when I interviewed him, we were tracking one of her half Ironman races. She had just started the run at the beginning of the interview and we got to track her the entire time and see how she finished the race. So it was fun to hear from the triathlete herself. Sarah and her husband Ben have also recently started a coffee company that many of you have likely heard of with Des and Ryan Linden called Linden and True Coffee. Sarah is fun, smart, witty, and was just a really great guest to have on the show. I know you're gonna take a lot from what we talked about. She's got a lot of wisdom and great advice. Before we get started talking with Sarah, I wanna thank a new sponsor for this show. This episode is sponsored by Victorious. Victorious brings the fitness studio to you with live group fitness classes that you can participate in anywhere at any time. They offer real-time fitness classes that you can stream live from your computer, phone, tablet, or TV. And it's not just streaming. These classes are actually live and interactive. We're talking high intensity and interval training, yoga, boxing, cardio, and more. Classes last from 35 to 45 minutes and they happen throughout the day and evening. You can train with some of the best trainers in the world and the best studios in the US. Victoria's trainers are renowned, qualified, entertaining, and personable. They'll interact with you and help keep you motivated. One of my favorite things about this program is that it is unlimited, so you can take unlimited classes each month for the price of a single fitness class. No equipment to buy, and no getting locked into long-term contracts. All you need is you. So I find that committing to a class can be a great motivator, but having to get in my car and travel to show up and get time away from my family is a little bit more challenging to do. So Victorious makes this easy. You stay committed, you book your class, you have that commitment, but you do not have to leave your house. I've tried this out for the last few weeks and I, well, right now I'm doing the yoga class because I'm super pregnant and not doing that high-intensity stuff yet, but I'm loving that. And you guys are really lucky because today we have a special offer for you. You can get it for free. You can get one month for free of unlimited victorious fitness classes. When you sign up at victorious.com slash another that's victorious.com slash another and try it out for free for one month. It's going to change the way you work out. And thank you victorious for sponsoring this podcast. And when you guys are supporting sponsors of this show, you're directly supporting the podcast. So thank you for that. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with myself and Sarah True. So today on the podcast, we have a two-time Olympian, Sarah True on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you very much, Lindsay. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know you're my second triathlete that I've ever had on.
1: I uh, That makes me feel pretty special. So I appreciate that. <laughs> L- lots of runners on this show. I'm aware. I'm aware. So, uh, you know, hopefully I can spread the, the love of triathlon to the running community you know it's uh as a triathlete we love running but sometimes runners don't always understand us so maybe I can uh, (laughs) help communicate
0: (laughs) so um did you know when I interviewed your husband Ben I think it was probably like I don't know episode 105 or 106 so it's like sort of recent but not super recent uh we were tracking you while you were racing a 70.3 yeah. He told me that. Yeah. He was like, we, cause you started your run, uh, the run portion of the triathlon, like right when we started and you literally finished like three minutes before the interview wrapped up. So it was pretty awesome. That's pretty funny. It was pretty cute too. He was, he was really excited. and oh, I think you were, did you get third? I think you got third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you what? What
1: race was that? You know, I've only done two races this year, and they're both I I got third in both of them. So um, I could guess, but I'm not sure. It'd be a fifty fifty shot. Okay. Well I just know it was a
0: it was a half Iron Man for sure. Yeah. Well unfortunately that describes both of the races I did this year. <laughs> so it doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> so Sarah is uh you competed in the two thousand twelve and the two thousand sixteen Olympics. So you are yep. a two time Olympian, which is really cool. Um are you going are you going to looking to go back in twenty twenty? No, no. So I um, last year I moved up in
1: distance to half Ironman and uh, this year I'm going to do full Ironman. And once you go long, you can't really go back. Um, I was curious about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, part of, part of it is, uh, you know, obviously you lose your speed a bit, but most of the problem is just, um, we have like this point system and getting into races, you have to race, uh, to get points to just basically stay, uh, relevant within the Olympic distance, uh, triathlon worlds. And once you kind of step outside of it, uh, it's not impossible to go back, but it, it does make it really challenging. So I would have to fly all over the world doing races that other Americans didn't want to do to be able to get enough points to even qualify for trials. Um, so it's, it makes it very restrictive once, once you kind of have some time away.
0: Okay. I had no idea. I guess I didn't even know how you qualify for the trials in the triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it,
1: it, it's a lot more challenging than running where you basically hit your time marks and you yeah. know that you can qualify. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And then once you get to the trials, you just get, have to get top three. Now is that's the same with triathlon though. You Once you get there, but you have to have a certain number of points to get there. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. But even, even then, um, we had a system where our, our Olympic trials, the past two cycles. So for, rio and for london uh if you were at olympic trials the first race was uh was the test event so in rio um and in london respectively and the cutoff was if you were top nine uh, then you would automatically qualify for the olympic team and you know this is this is not a U.S. only race; it's it's against all of your competitors. You know that you're ostensibly going to see the next year. Um, so, uh, but only up to two people can qualify. So it's really the first two Americans across the line, as long as you're both in the top nine. Um, and then, depending on whether uh, the U.S. has qualified two or three individuals, it rolls down to races within the qualification year. So for 2016, for the women, um, you know, both Gwen Jorgensen and I had qualified in 2015. Um, we finished first and fourth. Um, I was fourth, she was first in the test event, but then we still had one more spot for the U S women. And it came down to this fairly complicated points system. And, uh, it, was the accumulation of three races um, and the top American at the end of that cycle got to go to the Olympics. So it's in some ways that, that third position, it can be, um, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the best average. So if, if you have just an off day at the test event, you can still qualify, um, which is kind of nice having seen, you know, some difficult, trials, races for track, um, you know, being able to reward somebody who's a consistent performer. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also means that it's just, it extends the process so much. Um, but yeah, that was a very, you know, that was, believe it or not, that was the, the shorthand answer.
0: (laughs) We're going to triathlon school today. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everybody who just fell asleep during that. Um, (laughs) well, I, that's so true though, because So many times I feel like in track and field, um, I mean, you know, you have a front seat view to this with Ben, uh, the, the front runner like falls or, you know, just something goes wrong. And it's like the person that probably like really deserves to be on the team because of that consistency, just, Oh, you didn't make it. You're out that day. So yeah, that's kind of, I get what you're saying there.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's, um, a positive to, to both sides, you know, ultimately, you know it's championship style racing, and you have to be able to step up on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are always extenuating circumstances, and you, may, you know, we've seen we've seen with track you aren't necessarily sending the best people in the event. Um, but that's what the Olympics are going to be. It's going to be a it's one race, uh, and that's how you judge. You know, <laughs> so it's I guess it's it's not an easy balance. I, I respect, um, you know, both qualification, uh, systems. Uh, but yeah, not easy, not easy to watch.
0: Okay. So tell (laughs) everybody how you got into triathlon when you became passionate about it, because, uh, I was stalking through your Instagram and you've clearly been a swimmer for a long time. I saw that picture you posted with, were you like 13 and you swam four miles? Uh, nine miles, actually. It was nine miles? Yeah. That is, that is insane. That is so far. Yeah, but kids are kind of crazy. Well, and I love what, I loved what you said about that in that post too, because you were kind of like, if we could all go back to that, just like fearless mentality and not over preparing. I mean, you clearly have to prepare very well for what you do professionally, but um, you just kind of, I mean, had you been a swimmer for a long time? Cause that's really long way to swim for anybody.
1: I uh, definitely not to that extent. So I swam in the winter, um, you know, but it would be, our practices would be a couple of miles. It was not a serious program, um, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. My, my first sport was soccer. Um, I come from a pretty soccer loving family and, you know, I think I was probably four when I was on my first soccer team. Um, (laughs) And then uh, I basically tried every sport possible. You know, there was a time that I played baseball, uh, softball, uh, you know, you name it. I I tried it. I realized pretty quickly on that I wasn't super coordinated, um, (laughs) you know, like most endurance athletes. And, Uh, I think it just, I gravitated towards swimming and running, you know, cycling obviously came later on in life. I did a couple of triathlons in high school, but where I grew up in upstate New York, small town uh, called Cooperstown. And at that time, the closest triathlon was in Massachusetts. So I had to drive four hours for my first triathlon, uh, but it was something that interest in doing for years. And I uh, did a couple in high school, did a few more in college. And for whatever reason, just felt like, you know, I wanted to focus um, on triathlon, see if I could be any good, gave myself a two year window. Uh, after graduation, I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I just want to see if, 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 how far I can get in two years. And I did well enough with the, those two years that you know i was making money um i could see this w- could be a legitimate profession for me and uh, yeah that was over over 10 years ago so time flies and you know it's it ended up being a pretty good fit i guess
0: yeah <laughs> time does fly i can't even talk about it it makes me sad i know <laughs> no it shouldn't it
1: shouldn't make us sad you're right um, you're right it just is what it is. Right.
0: <laughs> right. My husband the other day was talking about, Oh, well, when that happens, we'll be like 42. And I'm like, don't talk about being 42. I want to be 34. I don't, yeah, you know, like I yeah. want to be where at right, where I'm at right now. And you know, he, he is always the voice of reason with me when I talk about that stuff. He's like, um, that doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy what you're doing right now, but the time's going to come.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just embrace embracing uh, – well, I, I just – I'm with you, actually. Yeah. Just embrace the present.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't want to think about being 45. I'm sure the 40s are going to be great, but, like, I just feel like I'm living my best life in my 30s, so I don't want it to go away, you know? But think, think of it
1: this way. You know, when you were a teenager, the idea of being in your 20s seemed really uh-huh, old. Uh-huh. And then once you reach your 20s and you're like, oh, the 30s, that's kind of scary. And then you've reached your 30s and you're like – oh man the 40s so it's just i feel like you're always one decade ahead seems scary but it really isn't once you get there to-
0: that's <laughs> totally true and it's funny too cuz as you get older you um like i'll, I'll say oh that girl she's only 36 and yeah. you know 10 years ago you'd have been like well she's already 36 yeah she's <laughs> ancient yeah <laughs> all right so you um when when you did competed in the olympics in 2012 you got fourth place in, you kind of said somewhere that that opened your eyes to the potential that you truly had. So how, how was that race important in your career?
1: Well, it, it, it definitely, so I went there, you know, the year before I'd been seventh at the Testament. Um, you know, I, I had some good races. I was, but I was like a consistent, you know, top eight person. I wasn't a podium person. Um wasn't somebody, you know, battling at the front of the race necessarily. And it took me, you know, getting fourth at the Olympics to be like, you know what? I should have been backing myself a bit more all these years. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know my my career has always been um uh the the bar just keeps on moving up. Um you know in unexpected ways. So, you know, I see somebody like, you know, Ben and I are polar opposites in a lot of ways. Oh, that's He, funny. Tell me you know, why. He, he grew up thinking that he was going to be a world-class athlete.
0: Mm.
1: You know, he just, he felt like it was, um, it was his fate, you know, and I use that, that term la- loosely, but he, he has never questioned his own potential. Mm. And, uh, you know, he, has seen himself at the the top level from the beginning whereas for me uh it's almost like i'm one step behind where like oh my goodness you know this was my first olympic trials and i almost made the olympic team shoot i should have maybe raised the bar a bit higher for myself and then oh shoot you know i almost got four i almost got an Olympic medal. Maybe I should have raised the bar higher for myself, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I'm just trying to catch up. And it's not like I had, you know, this ever had this, uh, belief that I was a great athlete. And, um, you know, I, I think I've just rolled with it and, uh, along the way have adjusted by my Goals accordingly.
0: So in two thousand ten when you had a serious injury, a bike crash, you fractured your sacrum. Um, you took some time off after that, after a season that wasn't super awesome. What did you learn from that experience? Like from letting you know, learning that you had to let yourself heal and, you know, getting back at it after probably a pretty low moment mentally and emotionally with everything.
1: Yeah. So basically that entire year, um, I, I, one of my defining features, I would say one of my defining characteristics is that I'm a very stubborn person and that can be a detriment. Uh, (laughs) and I would say that characterizes a lot of endurance athletes where, well, you know what, I'm just going to tough it out. I am going to continue to try to race and train through this really bad fracture, even though every time I did any sort of intensity, my my entire back would just spasm. Um and it was incredibly painful. And you know, I ended up overtrained, it's sick, it had like three sinus infections that year. I mean, it was just a total disaster of a year. And I refractured it because I'd never it never healed uh properly. And finally I, I at that point. I just finally accepted that being stubborn was not the way to go. It was just acceptance of, I am very injured. If I don't take care of this now, I will not make the Olympic team this year. Um, because our our first trials race was in 2011. Uh, I refractured it in December 2010. And it was a, I have to do this the right way or else I will never have a chance to make this Olympic team. So I was okay for three months, um, or for a couple months doing no running, doing no biking, just letting myself heal. Uh, but that was, it was out of necessity. Um, but I, I walked away from that with a lot more respect for just, you have to let things heal completely (laughs) Mm -hmm. before you keep on pushing. Um, cause I'm, I, I'm very fortunate. You know, I think one of my biggest strengths is that I'm, I'm pretty bulletproof. Um, you know, my, my injuries have been from bike crashes. You know, I haven't, I've never had a serious overuse injury. So for me, it was a, a whole new, uh, experience that I couldn't just tough through, so, you know, be tough and, uh, push through. It was, I had to actually, stop and be patient and listen to my body and just let whatever was going to happen, happen.
0: How do you, like, were you sad during the time? Like, how did you uh, mentally get through the downtime? Cause you're probably someone who's used to constantly working hard and, you know, testing your physical limits. You know, it, it was definitely interesting cause I had, I, I had to shift
1: my mindset very quickly, quickly to just trying to master the few things that I could master. So, you know, normally yeah, you know, the, the downside to triathlon is there's so much going on mm-hmm. that it, it feels almost overwhelming. The number of things that you could be working on, um, you know, because we have three sports and then you have everything that you do outside of training. So It almost made it easier because all of a sudden I removed. All right, well I can't bike, I can't run, so I'm going to swim. I'm going to aqua jog. I'm going to really dial in my nutrition. You know, the things that I can do, I'm going to nail. So, and that I walked, I I left that period stronger because I just I did a really good job on the few things that I could control um, and just let my body take its time. Uh, yeah, normally I I would, so for an entire year, I had been freaking out and just trying to push, 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 and that did no good. So all that was left for me to do was just chill out and let whatever unfold unfold.
0: Okay. So you talk about how you mastered the swimming and you did a lot of aqua, aqua jogging. Um, I think we have a lot of runners that listen to this podcast that have probably done their fair share of aqua jogging. (laughs) Um, and I, I myself have done both, but that question just made me, or that comment just made me think. So tell us of all three disciplines, the swim, the bike, the run, a, do you have a favorite B what is your strongest?
1: Uh, you know, my background, uh, my, my, yeah, my background is more as a swimmer. So that, but that comes the easiest to me. I don't have to work that hard to be very good at swimming in triathlon. Um, you know, I would get completely destroyed if I were a pure swimmer, but as a triathlete swimmer, that one's fairly easy for me. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that's just because it's a skill, and like any skill, the younger you are when you pick it up, the easier it is mm-hmm. so respect to all my runner friends who pick up swimming later in life because it's very hard <laughs> um but keep on doing it, you'll eventually get the feel for the water uh and yeah it it will get easier, but if your parents could have had you on swim team when you were five, um okay, eight, it would have been a lot easier, so just keep that in mind. Um, it's not, it's not an indication of your athleticism. It's having, hard. having, having seen my husband swim, um,
0: <laughs> does he swim at all?
1: Oh. Um, it's, he can get from one end of the pool to the other.
0: <laughs> I feel like, I think I might've talked to him about it a little bit in the episode with him. Cause I think we were talking about you and your triathlon. And I think he mentioned, how poor of a swimmer he was. You know, it's,
1: it's hard because, um, he requires two pool buoys to stay afloat. <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> he said he but, was a good bike, or, you know, I watched an interview with the two of you together and yeah. you were saying how he's a really good cyclist though. And he like kills all the guys on Strava that are like regular so- cyclists. Oh,
1: he's incredibly strong. Yeah.
0: Um, and, and he says that
1: if, if he had taken up cycling when he was younger, uh, he could have, he definitely could have been a professional cyclist. 100%. That, and,
0: and a, and a skier too, right? So, I mean, like yeah. how many sports yeah. can one person truly be talented at? Come on. I
1: exactly, which is why I'm totally fine kicking his butt and swimming. Cause yes. it's the only thing I, I that is mine. Yes. I will always be better than him at one thing. <laughs>
0: Yes, you own that. So talk I about own it. talk about biking though, because I'm going to tell you what I. So my husband has done a full Ironman. He did, oh nice yeah he did it in 2012, like right after our first son was born, and a year later I did a half Ironman. I just like did a sprint, and then I was like, I'm just going to do a half Ironman because why not? You know, it's like not, right. I'm not fast <laughs> or anything, but I just want to try it. Well. One thing that stops me from going back into doing that, or, you know, I kind of have this bucket list goal. Like I think a lot of people who have dabbled in triathlon that they want to do a full, you know, full like you're training for right now. Um, but well beyond the having too many kids and like that phase of my life right now, I'm scared (laughs) of the bike. Like, yeah, it's, I'm honestly like, I just, I'm, I'm not scared of working hard on the bike. I know that it's a weakness of mine, but I'm scared of getting hit by a car and and just the dangers of it. So as someone who does this as a profession, is that something that's even ever on your mind? I mean, what? how does that work?
1: Yeah, so it's, um, you know, you have to ride defensively. So I just assume that cars will not see me at intersections. You know, you'll you'll see these crazy cyclists who are just very aggressive and it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth taking those risks. Um, so if I see a car backing up, if I see them going into an intersection, whatever the case might be, I just assume they cannot see me. Um, and I won't blow by them. Um, so I think that's the first thing is just to know that you, you have to be, you have to always be aware, but it's not I've only been hit by a car once. Um, only. Yeah, but think about how many hours I've ridden my bike. Right. Um, and that was just somebody backing up out of their driveway who wasn't paying attention. And that was when I when I started riding. Um, you know, it's it's a very real real fear. I uh, I think there's a two pronged. Approach one is how you ride on the road. Also, where you ride. You know, I'm I am extremely fortunate because I live in New Hampshire. You know, right on the Vermont border, so the roads are quiet. Um, there's not a lot of traffic. It's not something that I have to worry about that much. The drivers are very respectful. We have a shoulder. That's not that's not going to be the case with a lot of places in. in you know, in the world. So there are places where you have no shoulder, you have aggressive drivers, you have a lot of traffic and it it becomes incredibly intimidating. Um, well, if you live someplace like that, what's fantastic is over the past few years, smart trainers have really blown up. So riding indoors has actually become pretty fun Um, there are a lot of professional triathletes who train almost exclusively indoors on a bike trainer. Oh my gosh. Professionals. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a big, there's actually a big fitness benefit because you have no downtime, you know, there's no dead time with your pedal stroke. So if you imagine, you know, you go out riding outside, there are going to be times where you're coasting. Um, but if you're indoors, you're always pedaling. So I actually know quite a few people who are incredibly strong and they, they definitely, uh, attribute a lot of that to riding indoors. So, you know, yes, it's expensive, but there, there are smart trainers. Like, um, there's a Wahoo kicker. And then with, uh, with Zwift or in other programs, you can ride courses. Uh, it just makes it fun. It's like a video game, but it, there's a little bit of an investment, but if you're genuinely terrified of cars and you don't live in a place where it's great to ride, then it's. I think it's it's worth the money. Um, yeah. So that's those are my two cents. Do you train? Do you ever train with a smart trainer? Yeah. Yeah. We have we have a couple in the basement, and especially in the winter, because yeah. the downside to living in <laughs> in New Hampshire is Toy. that. We have a few months out of the year where uh it's just not I can't ride outside for that long, so yeah. you know if it's if it's below freezing um if it's like thirty, I'll still ride outside uh as long as there's not a lot of uh ice on the roads, but it, below that, I'm in the basement in the trainer, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so talk to us about moving up from Olympic to half to full Ironman cuz everybody listening, this this episode will come out after you do your first Ironman. But you're you're like taper week, right? You're competing in Ironman Frankfurt, a full Ironman next weekend. So, tell us about the transition to the long course.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been fascinating. So,
0: I grew up um,
1: you know, I I remember watching on NBC, there was Ironman coverage. And at that time, so we're, we're you know, we're talking the, the, it was probably like 1990 was when it started registering, was that I saw women racing Ironman on TV. And we take it kind of for granted now, but back then it was a big deal to see professional Female athletes um, outside of the Olympics, so that really resonated with me as kind of a like, you know what, this this Ironman thing, you know, that's awesome. You know, it's it, it, the women like me. You know, like that's going to be me someday. But then, you know, I got on the Olympic track and it suited me. Um, you know, I'm I'm a lot. I'm a I'm a I, I kind of describe myself as a bit of a power nugget, you know, I'm not like, you know, super lean, tiny thing that can just go for forever. Um, you know, I'm, I handle the, the high bursts of power and speed a lot better. So it's just, you know, the short course racing was so much better for me. Um, but there's that piece of me that, you know, thinks back to, to, when I was watching it growing up and such a huge part of my sport is Kona and doing Ironman. So it's last year, uh, I started doing half Ironman and I really, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, the the downside to the whole Olympic track is that you kind of live in this bubble of your own sport and, you know, it's, I was only interacting with other Olympic minded athletes. Um, you know, there's no real, uh, amateur component to that style of racing. But then I went to the half Ironman distance and all of a sudden, you know, I'm hanging out with a couple thousand amateur athletes in transition and it's, totally humbling and equalizing, you know, I think people who race, uh, do road races can relate to this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, if you're a marathoner, um, if you move up from doing diamond league on the track to doing, you know, a major, like to do, doing New York city marathon, that's, that's probably, it feels like, well, it felt like that for me. I'm yeah. guessing, I don't know. That I'm makes totally sense. projecting exactly what you're but, saying makes sense. But yeah. all the, you're like, this is incredible that you're just that spirit of community. Uh Um, I had missed that for so many years and it took me doing some halves to be like, you know what? I, I love this. I love this part of my sport. I've missed it for years. You know, I've been so high performance minded that I've almost lost sight of, uh, you know, that the vast majority of triathletes are people with families and jobs and this is something they choose to do. Um, and it's, it's something that in my career, like I'd reached the point where I needed that, where it was this huge boost for me to be around people who are just psyched to do triathlon, uh, Yeah, <laughs> you know, where, where there was, there was no ego or pretension. It was just out of pure joy and love for the sport. And, uh, you know, after doing a few races, basically in, early October, I woke up and I'm like, you know what? I, I can't consider my, my life in traveling complete until I do Ironman. And, you know, my goal obviously for this year is to, to qualify for Kona. Um, and I have to do an Ironman in order to qualify, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's been this crazy journey. And I have gained so much appreciation for triathlon and for, for triathletes in general, just it's, it's given me a whole new outlook on, you know, my career and on my sport. Um, you know, if you'd asked me a couple years ago, if I could ever envision myself train, cause I train, you know, up to 30 hours a week completely by myself So week after week, month after month, I've been doing this completely by myself. No help. Uh, I mean, I have a coach who lives in Germany. So (laughs) that's like, that's it. And I honestly didn't think that I was strong enough to be able to do that, to do the training by myself effectively. Um, And it's been this really empowering experience to go through the training to get to the point where um, I, I am unfazed by looking at my schedule and seeing, you know, a six hour training day and knowing that I'm going to be completely alone for, for it. Um, there's, I like my company, you know? Yeah, that would be one hard things, for me for sure. But one of the things you've realized when you spend that much time alone is you're, you're face to face with yourself. And at first, you know, the beginning part of the process it was really intimidating, that aspect of it. But I've kind of come around to liking my own company. You know, I laugh at my own jokes sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just... it's, I I have a new appreciation for myself that I, I never thought I would have.
0: You know, I actually, just like listening to you say this, I really, I can relate to that a lot because... Uh, when I trained for my fir- my first and only half Ironman, I, I was doing a lot of bike rides by myself and swimming laps in the pool by myself and doing things that I had never done before alone. And uh, long story short, um, I had some health issues and like, made some big decisions. And I think that the way- reason I had the courage to make the decisions that I made really revolved around that alone time that I had to not busy my brain talking to people and just be alone and say, like, you need to face these fears and you need to do something about it. And I think being alone was a big part of it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, this whole training process has really made me very cognizant of the fact that we are distracted all the time. Yeah. So the world we live in now, it's constant distraction. It's you know, it's iPhones, it's people, it's, you know, we're just being bombarded with information and we never step away and have extended periods of time. Well, most of us don't at least, uh, where it's just us and that's it. No music, no distraction. And it's, you just, you work through so much stuff, um, that I'm not gonna, you know, tell your, your podcast listeners that they should, you know, (laughs) go and train for an Ironman, but I would encourage everybody to try to deliberately seek out time to themselves, um, without distraction, you know, and it's, it's even as simple as going for a run and not paying attention to pace, you know, not looking at your watch. Okay. Yeah. You can record it, sure. but you know, no headphones, nobody else if you can be in the woods, you know, be someplace where there aren't other people. Um, Cause it's, we, we're, we need it. You know, as human beings, we need that time. Um, I think our brains have probably evolved to have it. And we've, we've stripped ourselves of that.
0: Yeah. So. Okay. So how are you keeping up with, um, I, okay. How am I going to rephrase this? How are Uh-oh. you getting enough food? <laughs> I just feel oh, yeah. like the one time I trained for the half Ironman, all I did was eat and I still was like the smallest as far as like weight goes in my entire life just because I was like, yeah, I had to eat so many calories. Uh you know,
1: I fortunately live with somebody who eats an insane amount of food. Um, <laughs> so it's just normal for us. Yeah. You know, I think we also, we rely a lot on, um, you know, high quality, high caloric foods. Yeah. So like, we'll go through, you know, three pounds of peanut butter a week kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, without batting an eye, we're not, we're not scared of fats. We're not as scared of oil, you know, it's just, but yeah, it's, it's work. I think, you know, one of the most challenging things for me is not necessarily the, the caloric intake, because, you know, I've, I'm, I'm very good at that. I'm very good at taking in calories. It's taking it in while you're training. Yeah. Um, cause I, I've had to train myself to remember to take in food
0: and, uh, like you know, when with, you're on the bike or when you're out yeah, for like a 20 mile run or something
1: total. And it's, cuz part of part of ironman is just training your gut and same thing with marathon it's you know or ultras or anything that's long you have to train your gut to take in calories um the number of horror stories i have heard from ironman about people uh showing up and you know for the marathon they have to stop at every porta potty like mm-hmm. i want to avoid that so i've had to very deliberately force myself to take food um, when historically it's something that I wouldn't have thought about, it is incredible how much easier it is to train when you are taking in food though
0: Yeah. <laughs> during,
1: during, cause it's, I mean, you, you, I would always historically think, oh, well, I eat plenty the rest of the time. You know, I don't really, yeah, I'm going for, you know, long run, but I don't really need to take in calories for an hour and a half. That's not a big deal. All of a sudden, if you're doing, you know, if I'm doing a 20 mile run, um, if I'm taking in calories, it's the first time I'm like, you know what, this isn't that bad. Uh-huh. It's not that it's really not that far. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's long, but it's, it's, it's totally, it makes it so much easier. Your body isn't, it's not a death march at the end.
0: <laughs> I always <laughs> so, say it gives me something to look forward to too.
1: Totally. Totally. So <laughs> I, I'll like have on my watch, okay. So I know I have two miles until I eat and I get really sad and I start thinking about my, yeah, I mean, we're not talking about exciting foods. We're talking <laughs> about like gels.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking I'm of like, that, oh. I was going to ask you, what are you, so say you're out for like a while well, you're training for an Ironman, so like a hundred mile bike ride or like a 90 mile bike ride or something. Um, what are you eating on that bike ride?
1: Uh, you know, my preference has always been for food, but um, uh, as I've gotten closer, so like, you know, bars or even cookies, cause I really like cookies <laughs> or, you know, bananas or you know, things that you can identify, um, that don't, you know, e- yeah, I like real things. Like I'll make, you know, rice balls and stuff. Um, but as I've gotten closer to Iron Man, it has to be totally the process stuff.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: uh, for halves and for short course racing, I would use maple syrup, mm-hmm. um, for longer stuff. Uh, I'm now, uh, relying cause you also have to worry about your sodium intake a lot more and just balancing electrolytes. So, uh, I've kind of found a balance of, of not, they're not all gels. Um, cause I hate gels, uh, but I'll do some maple syrup packets and then I have, um, uh, science and sport. It has like, there's an isotonic gel. So if you really, one of the things I hate about traditional gels is that they're just so thick Mm -hmm. and they just kind of like get stuck all over me and they just make a mess. And the, uh, just the, the, the consistency just drives me insane. So, what I like about maple syrup and what I like about the, the sciences for isotonic gels is that they're, they're a lot thinner. So you can actually consume them without like an hour later, having this crusty goober all over <laughs> your face. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I've come across. And I, I also like uh cliff blocks because sometimes you just need to chew something. Yeah. Um, it's more
0: fun if you get to chew. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the, like the popular Goose like goo and hammer and all that. I feel like I you hear more elite runners doing like a power gel because they're that's a thinner. Have you tried that one? It's like a thinner one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it is it is easier to take in. um Yeah. It's one of you know one of the things that's been good is for me is I've 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 chosen not to have a race uh, nutrition sponsor. Okay. Because I want I want to use stuff that I Actually, like, um, <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, there, yeah. there are plenty of athletes who, yeah, there's there's a financial bone uh, incentive. I mean, especially since race nutrition is really expensive. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, you know, I'm out there training. Like, this is like two dollars right now yeah. in a stupid little gel pack. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really annoying <laughs> how much money I've spent with Ironman training on nutrition. But it gives me the flexibility to figure out what I actually like.
0: But once you figure out what you like, can't you be like, hey, uh, Hammer or whoever you like, like, just so you know, I trained for my entire Ironman with this and I'd like to keep training with this. Any interest in sponsoring me? Yeah, no,
1: it's true. It's true. But I think. I I like a mix of foods. Oh, gotcha. I mean, there. I wouldn't call any of them foods. Let's be honest. Right, right. Mix of substances, caloric de- calorically dense substances. Um,
0: yeah. You want but, you want the freedom to choose and to not be like, oh, Sarah True was seen taking in this. Totally, totally. <laughs> so it's,
1: it, it it does it does fascinate me. Um, the number of Uh, and I, I understand it it comes down to money, but the number of athletes who are willing to, um, you know, give up the right to the ideal product to help them perform in order to make a little
0: cash. Yeah. That's tough. It is tough. I mean, using your body for your job.
1: Totally. Totally. But it's a question of, of
0: where you want to put the value. So who are your big sponsors though?
1: Uh, so specialized, um, and tier, okay. um, and momentous, which is a protein, uh, com- powder company. Um, let's see. I'm part of New York athletic Club, so They're, they're pretty helpful. I know there are some runners who are with Niac. Um, who am I missing? One, two, three, four. Oh, <laughs> and well, we like to say it's it, our dog is sponsored, but I'm sponsored by Nulo Pet
0: Food. I saw um, that. I saw yeah. that. Your dog has an Instagram account. He does?
1: What's it I called?
0: Uh, his name's Utsi. Utsi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and on his Instagram, it says that he's... I saw that when I was researching this sponsored by. <laughs> so you're technically sponsored by this dog food company, is that what you're saying?
1: Well, we you like eat to dog pretend food. it... <laughs> yeah, totally. That's my,
0: that's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good nutrition there.
1: Yeah, but he's, su- he's such a handsome boy oh. that how, how can you not sponsor him? You know,
0: <laughs> is he now, is he your only dog?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Although, uh,
0: you know, part, part of the challenge
1: is obviously Ben and I travel a lot. Yeah, that's hard. And if it were up to us, we would have, you know, two dogs and a donkey and chickens and a couple goats, but it's just not realistic at this stage in yeah, our it could lives. There'll be a time
0: for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's why the, that's
0: why forties or fifties will be exciting. Exactly. Livestock. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you talk about racing being both fun and painful. Uh, how do you work through the pain and why is it so important for you to have that mindset? Like, I'm going to go have a lot of fun, but I'm also going to go hurt really bad.
1: So one of the things that I've kind of come around to realize is that um, sport is just an incredible celebration of life. So like, you know, it's part of, it's part of the ability to push ourselves physically and, you know, mentally and just kind of go through those low moments and come out the other side and it's all self-inflicted. It's really special. You know, we, we, we have a choice and we do this to ourselves. Um, and I think you have to just embrace that, that, you know, we have a limited amount of time on earth. Um, and part of, you know, part of being an athlete is just the pushing of your boundaries to kind of, uh, celebrate being human. Um, you know, we're, we're all born athletes. Uh, It's just a, whether or not we choose to, to embrace that.
0: Yeah. And people really let it suck the life out of them when they get overly nervous and they just like let the mental side of the sport eat at them. How do you approach the start line? I mean, you're doing your first Ironman next weekend hopes to qualify for Kona. You've towed the line at the Olympics. Like how do you control your mind? So the, I mean, I went through so
1: much anxiety um, earlier in life. So I definitely was a very nervous, high anxiety person. Like I used to get panic attacks frequently, you know, standardized testing, uh, you know, big competitions. I would completely melt down. And it's, I've had to train myself um, to not get to that point. So, you know, I'm now a pretty relaxed competitor because uh it's but it's taken a lot of work. So if, you know, if somebody's listening and they're like I just get so worked up before races, just know that it doesn't have to be that way that you can continuously just push yourself to being a little bit more comfortable. Um, you know, a lot of it is just it's how we we reframe So how you reframe the nerves, how you reframe the pressure, once you kind of realize that, you know, nobody really cares. Nobody really cares more than you do how you do in that race. And, yeah, it's important to us. We all want to do well. We want our races to reflect the hard work we've done. But if you're a kid, like, your parents don't – they shouldn't – or at least they shouldn't care as much as you do about your race, your coach. Like it's, we project, we project all this external pressure when really it's just internal. So I think once you kind of wrap your mind around that, that it's all coming from within and you know, just that helps me a lot. Um, but then just embracing that you get to do this. So th- that's always been, you know, like over the last few years, that's been my mantra is, if I start to feel a little nervous going to the start line, it's, it's not that I have to do this. This is all a choice. I get to do it. And you know, it really is a way for me to kind of, you know, see where my training is and to enjoy the racing and yeah, there are going to be some really stinky moments during it. Um, and yeah, you're going to have some bad races, but all comes out in the wash. If you race enough, so that's also the, the benefit of, you know, being an experienced racer is the more you race, the more it dilutes each individual race. Yeah. So you're like, you know what? I've had some good ones. I've had some bad ones. I've had a lot that are just kind of in the middle. And if you can walk away from every race be like, I did this one thing really well. I did this other thing not so well, but I can work on it for the next time instead of, this, because it used to, for me, it used to be this performance is going to tell me whether or not I'm a good athlete. And, you know, or to an even greater degree, there were times where this, this race is going to tell me whether or not I'm a worthy human being. And it's totally ridiculous how we, we, we get to this point. And it's super common, especially when you're younger, like this is if I, if I don't do well, I am a failure. But the great thing about racing a lot is that you realize that that is not true. Um, you know, whether or not you can win a gold medal in the Olympics or you can be the last person across the line in a, a local 5k and in the big scheme, none of it really matters. It's important, so it does matter, but it doesn't really matter. I love that.
0: <laughs> Preach on. That's so good. Yes, so good. Yeah, people, we we put so much pressure on something that when it's all said and done, like, well, is that going to be written on my tombstone? I don't know. Totally. <laughs> totally. No. No. Um, so, what are you most excited about with doing your first full Iron Man? I am excited because I'm terrified. Um,
1: (laughs) No, honestly, like I can't remember the last time I did something that um, scared me in such a good way. Mm. You know, it's scary because it's important to me. I put a lot of work into it, but it's it's just the fear of the unknown, right? So until I've done one, I have no idea. It's all this, you know... Mystery to me. And there's so much that can go wrong. Um, but I also know that I can weather the storm. <laughs> and, you know, if this race doesn't go well, I have more opportunities down the road to do it again and to do it right. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I see it as, you know, when one of my friends, um, is a, a really experienced Ironman racer. And she, you know, she just kind of reiterated that, listen, you're going to go through some low points. You're going to go through some high points. It's really a question of whether or not when you go through those low points, you just keep on moving ahead and you just keep on pushing. Um, and you just don't blow it out of proportion yet. You just kind of recognize what's happening in the moment and you just wait for it to pass. And I think I what's weird is I'm almost looking forward to that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like just those the what is your response when things get hard? And I I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I know when things get hard, I'm just going to keep on pushing. Um and that hasn't always been true. So for me, I'm excited about what uh, an Ironman is going to kind of bring to the surface with my personal growth. And that just, I know that sounds really hokey, Hmm. um, but I don't know how else to describe it.
0: (laughs) Do you envision the bike or the swim being more, or not the swim? I wasn't going to say the swim at all. Swim is just a (laughs) warm-up. Yeah, I was going to say the swim, I'm assuming the swim is, I mean, and the swim is just like, such a short period of time in the entire day. Do you envision the spike or the run being more mentally challenging? It's, it's really the run. Yeah. Um, cause
1: you cannot possibly feel good getting off the bike <laughs> after 112 miles of riding. Yeah. Um, and then being like, Oh, I have a marathon ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: do you do you know like when you're out competing with the other girls like oh she's a strong runner like no the biking is her thing do you guys kind of all size each other up on the disciplines that you're better at
1: yeah so one of one of the challenges of next weekend is I am going to be racing against some of the strongest cyclists um Mm -hmm. in the sport and you know I'm I'm strong but I'm not as strong as they are, and uh my My friend who gave me some advice, she's, she's pretty similar. She's, she's much more of a runner and she's like, listen, you might get off the bike 10, 15 minutes down from some of these Uber bikers and you just have to run your race and be patient and you'll probably pick them off. Yeah. I mean, how crazy is that? You're down 15 minutes and you're, you're going to just catch up, (laughs) but it happens. It happens all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have to do their thing on the bike, you know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that's the one time my husband did do the Ironman. The running is his uh main sport, you know, and I think his marathon was like 324 or something like that, but when Ironman Wisconsin and you're just running with like the regular guys like a 324 marathon, I don't think he got passed by a single person because yeah. um that's his strong suit, which is really mentally encouraging when you're at that part of the race, right? Totally. Totally. So You know, it's it's you just have to kind of
1: be patient and focus on yourself and whatever whatever your race plan is.
0: So would you say swim, run, bike is your order of like strengths? Yeah. 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 Okay, okay, Yeah. Cool. All right, Sarah. So into the podcast questions, what's one thing personally or professionally that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Other than a full Ironman.
1: (laughs) I was going to say full Ironman but let's say full Ironman in Kona. Okay. Perfect.
0: <laughs> and remind us when is Kona October. Okay. So if you qualify at Frankfurt next weekend, will you do, will that qualify you to go this October?
1: Uh, yeah. So it's a point system. And as long as I'm top seven, okay, I should probably make it to the start line in Kona.
0: Okay. And you'll want to go this year. Yes. And, and what's the qualifying window look like? I mean, Because, you know, with Boston, for instance, that's what everybody listening is probably familiar with. You qualify and then you have like that year and a half window or whatever to get back in September when registration opens. So what does that look like with Kona? Uh,
1: The first round of qualification is July. Um, And then I think they kind of roll down a few more spots in August.
0: Is that crazy to train and... do a race that's so significant in distance and then turn around and do it again. So soon after. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that part of the thing with Kona? Is that part of like, we're all tired. We all just already did it. Iron oh, yeah. So it, it's definitely this
1: really hard balance. Cause um, you know, right now my, my coach and I have me strong enough to hopefully qualify, but not, peak fitness because we want peak fitness to be sure. in October yeah, yeah. but i have to qualify uh, so it's definitely you know it's trying to find that balance um you know in ideal worlds i would have i would have made my decision to target kona you know sooner so i could have had a peak race in like february which gave me enough time but uh, it is what it is so hopefully i'm strong enough to qualify and then I can get super strong to throw down in October.
0: That is, yeah, that's a balance. It's like you compete in the Olympic trials. You're like, well, I want to qualify to run. I want to go to the Olympics, but like, I want my peak to be at the Olympics, not necessarily at the trials.
1: Totally. That's totally. Tough. So yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah. Cause you, you definitely see the athletes who peak for trials and then struggle to back it up.
0: Um, uh, at the Olympics. Oh man. So it's, yeah. That is tough. Okay. Uh, if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be?
1: Uh, that our time on earth is pretty short. So
0: just embrace it. What is accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: I am most proud of picking myself up last year and, uh, Getting through the Ironman training process. Man,
0: that's a lot of work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. More than just training. You you realize with sport that, yeah, a lot of it's about the, the athletic side of things, but it's about so much more.
0: Yeah. If you could have coffee or cocktail with anybody fun, who would it be? Fun? Or inspiring or motivating oh. or whatever. Mm. Barack Obama. Barack Obama, what would what's the first question you would ask him? I would ask him the last great book that he read. Ooh, I like that. Well, speaking of that, what's the last great book you've read?
1: My sister's.
0: You know what? I was going to bring her up, and then, and then we got low on time. Um, because that's the only. That's the only
1: answer I could possibly say. You have to.
0: So this is interesting because. I had this written down as a question and I was like, I don't know if you're going to get to it, but now I'm going to say it. Uh, We have that in common because my sister is an author as well and her first book actually comes out tomorrow. So awesome. Yeah. I'm so proud of her. So when I've seen you tweet about your sister and talk about her success and just like being excited for what she's doing in her writing, I'm like, I get it. It's so cool to see your sister succeed and put a dream to action you know like actually become a published author
1: absolutely because it's it's it was such a long shot I mean it's there there are weird parallels with being an athlete um I mean there she did it she writes because she's passionate about it and she loves it and there's no guarantee that you'll ever make a dime yep and to to see her you know, because I just love her so much to realize that other people love what she does. It makes me so happy. It makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> okay. So tell everybody what her most recent book was that you read and what her name is so that we can. Okay.
1: Look so my, my sister's name is Lauren Groff and her last, uh, book was published in the beginning of June. It's called Florida. It's a short story collection. Um, and I think, I think everybody will enjoy it.
0: And wasn't she on Seth Meyers? I swear I saw a picture of her with sitting with Seth Meyers.
1: Yes, I was. I she she was on Seth Meyers. That's like a yeah. really big deal. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I was pretty
1: <laughs> impressed. I was pretty impressed.
0: Congratulations, sister Lauren! Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Um, all right. Do you have a nonprofit you like to support? Uh, right to play. Right to play. What's that?
1: I uh, they provide um, assistance to kids, uh, especially in, in, um, you know, developing countries and in, in war torn countries, uh, uh, trying to basically help kids be kids.
0: That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Side. Okay. I'm going to link to it's, that in the show notes, lindsayhine.com. Love that. And I've never heard of it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a pretty great, uh, organization. they, 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 partner with quite a few athletes like Alison Felix has been a big part of them. Okay. Uh, um, you know, just trying to bring awareness to what they do and just, you know, we are fortunate in a country like the U S to do sport. Um, you know, it's, it's a luxury to be able to do sport as an adult, but as a kid, really, it should be a given. Yeah. Um, and if you know if you're a refugee child, then that's not a given.
0: Man, and that nothing makes me more frustrated than when my kids here, my kids I have that we live in this most privileged country ever, complain about like being too hot at soccer or something like that. I'm like, get out there and play because. A, I'm paying for this. B, you get to do it. Like, don't complain. That's hard. That's one of the most challenging things for me as a parent is, like, not knowing how to handle those situations when I just want to scream at my kids. Like, you have the most fortunate life ever. Be grateful. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you're you're a kid. so Yeah. Kids, kids, they don't get it. They don't get it. Okay. And, and I wanted to move to the Patreon questions, but real quick, give oh, yeah. give everybody a little Linden and true coffee love. Tell us a little bit about what your role is in that. And I can only imagine the, uh, hype since Des won Boston, you guys are getting around it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome and unexpected. Um, you know, she, she was, uh, pretty smart to think that we should launch that weekend um she knew something that you know the rest of uh, the rest of the world saw obviously um it started off just kind of this hobby company and we're trying to keep it small because we're all still you know racing and have other jobs but it's it's been fun my role is uh I drink coffee. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I don't do the roasting, but I, I help out with everything else. Uh, I like to do more of the, the design aspect. So I was in charge of, of bags um, and doing the bag design. and have you, you know, seen work. the bags. Yeah. I think they turned out pretty cool.
0: I love um, the hats. Is, are the bags plaid too? Yeah, they're buffalo plaid. I um, love that.
1: Oh, good. Well, that's it's what the guys
0: wanted. They <laughs> They really glommed onto
1: that as their thing. And I just tried to class it up a bit. Um, so I like doing the more creative stuff. But we haven't done a lot of that yet. That's where I would like to be. Because um, when it comes to day-to-day operations. I would like to blame it on the Ironman training. But I've had some uh, mishaps with shipping already. <laughs> <laughs> the worst has been... I sent, so somebody ordered a hat and I sent a box with a packing slip in it and no hat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's Whoops. awesome. So people can order hats because yeah. I know you guys are doing the subscription coffee service and you, didn't you sell out? Uh, we did. Um, and every Wednesday we're trying to put up, uh, a
1: limited amount of beans, of uh, bags of beans Okay, uh, or Thursday rather. Um, but it's, you know basically, it's when the guys have time and and energy to to do some roasting. They'll throw some beans up online. there's no really set schedule. Uh, and we're we're going to do a little bit more merchandise because um, it's super fun. Um, as long as I'm not doing the shipping,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you can do the design, not the shipping. Now I exactly (laughs) Ben's roasting where you guys live. So does that mean he's roasting one place and Ryan's roasting in another place?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely been one of the things that we've had to realize, or, you know, wrap our heads around is, you know, split operations. Yeah. So the number of things that you have to know when you start a business is overwhelming. We're just like most people. We're just learning as we go.
0: Oh, totally, which is
1: cool. So the, the way I see it is the worst case scenario is we all walk away with this with a whole new set of skills.
0: Yes. So I think it's pretty cool. I think so too. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing when I started podcasting. I still half the time don't know what I'm doing. So um, it's the best, one of the best things I've ever done though, to start, well, you know, and yeah. if I had waited till I knew exactly what I was doing, I'd probably still be waiting around. Exactly.
1: You know, ne- I mean, that's like anything in life. You're never going to be an expert until you start. Yep. So you learn along the way, you ask questions of people, um, you know, but really you
0: make mistakes and you learn for them. Yes. All right, Sarah. Well, hang on for just a minute, but we're going to say bye to everybody listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks, Sarah, for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Best of luck this weekend in Frankfurt. Okay. Uh, This is something new I just started doing because I have a support page where people support my work. And um, I've just been trying to think of ways to give them a little something something. So. That's smart. Extra questions from, for my guests, from my guests. Yeah,
1: for sure. For
0: sure. All right. So we have Sarah True joining us for a little Patreon bonus here. Um, Sarah was recently on the show and she told us all about her Ironman training and triathlon training. And I want to ask you, Sarah, first, where do you see yourself in 10 years, 10 years after your first Ironman and after competing professionally for uh what 12 years? Yeah.
1: Uh I have no idea and I think that's kind of awesome. Yeah. So we could be roasting coffee. We'll probably Here's what I I do know. So I don't know anything about occupation, but I know we're going to have lots of animals. Lots of animals. And we're going to have lots of land. And we're going to be doing stuff like maple sugaring and, you know, growing things and having a farm and doing all sorts of uh, Jersey stuff.
0: So lifestyle, I know what our lifestyle will be. (laughs) It's that's, it sounds really peaceful, honestly. Yes, totally. I was just thinking the other day, man, we live in the city in Indianapolis and I'm like, man, sometimes I just think living out in the country sounds really, really awesome.
1: Yeah, you know, there there are positives and negatives to everything. I mean, when we go to the airport, we take a three-hour bus to Boston. Mm,
0: yeah, that's tough.
1: That gets annoying. Yeah,
0: especially <laughs> for people like you who travel so much.
1: Yeah, which is part of the reason why Ben hates leaving uh, oh. home.
0: Yeah, is it really three
1: hours to the closest airport? Uh, well, if you take the bus, I guess you could drive and it'd be two and a half to to
0: Boston. Okay. Wow. What, uh, do you guys want chickens? We, not yet. We want, we want chickens. In this 10 year vision from now when you have your goats and your land, you want chickens too. Totally. Do you have a garden now? We do. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, I mean... Gardens take a lot of work and time and attention. Yeah. Well, all Be- Ben's not super
1: helpful with it. And, um, we just have, a, we have two little raised garden beds. All he wants are tomatoes and basil. So that's all we basically have.
0: Well, that works though. Those aren't too hard. No, no, no. They don't require a lot of attention. Okay, so what do you love to do outside of swimming, biking, running, and being a part of bag design and roasting coffee?
1: Uh, I like to read. I like uh, to do art. I like to be outside. I like to hang out with my dog and my family. And, um, yeah. Do you like to camp? I have not camped in a while, but I used to be really into camping and backpacking.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean... Is it hard to go camp when you're, I mean, I guess you're probably so tired at the end of the day that you could probably sleep anywhere, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But it's, it's mostly just convenience factor. Um, yeah. I look forward to that though. I look forward to getting back to camping.
0: Are you a napper?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. When do
0: you nap? Like, do you get up and train for how many hours and then when do you fit your nap in and then do you train more after the nap?
1: Uh, since I train for three sports, uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's always post nap exercise. Yeah. So
0: I would say like a two o'clock napper. That's my ideal time. And you are training. If you would say on average for the full Ironman, are you training seven days a week around six hours a day? No, I'm doing,
1: uh, up to 30 hours total. So my big, my big days will be, you know, six, seven hours, but my easy days, I'm just swimming and doing gym work. Um, so yeah, I, I, I try to make sure my easy days are super easy. And then my big days are big.
0: Is, is the bike. I mean, is that just like the complete time suck?
1: It's a pretty big time suck. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What kind of strength (laughs) workouts are you doing?
1: Uh, so right now, I mean, I, I, I enjoy a bit of, of gym work, but, um, I I do a lot more just low reps, heavyweights, um, the beginning part of the year, I do some plyometrics year round. Um, you know, I'll do a lot of just general strengthening exercises too that I just gave you a bunch of vague answers that are not super helpful. Um.
0: (laughs) No, that's okay. (laughs) I always tell people plyometrics, like do, do like three sets of 10 squats and lunges like three times a week. That's, I know it's like super simple, but it's so helpful, right? Yeah. Well, I, I just, I'm all about full body
1: exercise. So there's nothing wrong with doing a plank, but there's not a huge real world application you know, you do some squats with a heavy bar, and you're going to use your core, and it it's using it in the way that you use it in the real world. And so I'm all about replacing like some of those fussy exercises with doing some plyos
0: and doing some heavy weights.: That's good advice. What? Okay, so I'm going to say we have a newbie swimmer, a newbie biker, and a newbie runner. Yes. If give me one piece of advice for the swim. For the bike or for the run? Like, one of each. One for each. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: I would say this is somebody who wants to do a triath- triathlon. Or just, or like, just...
0: they just want to be a swimmer or just a biker oh, or just a runner. Oh, okay.
1: I got you. I got you. So, for the swim, uh, I would go back in time and start swimming when you were eight. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, if, yeah. if, you're, if you're an adult, just... Be patient. Uh, you know, my my biggest recommendation is to just it takes time. It takes time to feel comfortable in the water. Um, you know, it's it's a skill. You can acquire a skill later in life, but it definitely is harder. Um, you know, get some good stroke analysis. Get some good advice from people. But really, it's just going to take time for the bike. Uh, you know, what's, what's awesome about cycling is a lot of it is just how much time you spend riding. So, you know, unlike swimming, where a lot of it does depend on how old you you were when you picked up the swimming cycling, if you put in a lot of time, you're going to get a lot better. Um, uh, If you are super nervous about riding outside, there's some great indoor options. And if you're pressed for time, you know, people have jobs and family and all that. The indoor stuff is great. It's super efficient. Um, And also, don't worry about buying the fanciest high-end stuff because you want a, a bike that fits well that is more important than having something that's incredibly light and expensive. Um, and a bike fit should be about a hundred dollars. You could spend, you know, as much as you spend on a car on a bike and that's not necessary for the run. Uh, my biggest advice is just consistency. Start off small, you know, you, you gradually increase over time. Um, you know i think what's hard about running is people get discouraged and you just have to realize that you go through these you know highs and lows and eventually it it just rewards endurance training just rewards consistency over time and it's better to keep on going out there and doing something than just getting frustrated and fed up and you're not always going to have progress. That's, that's for all of the three. Uh, it's interesting because last week I had a breakthrough week with my fitness and my coach and I just been hitting our, we feel like we've been hitting our heads against the wall for months on end because we've getting these very tiny increases in performance. But finally, like last week or last two weeks, we had this huge bump in performance And that's, that's just what happens with training. So you can just be chipping away and feeling like you're getting nowhere. And then all of a sudden you just have a big jump up. Um, But the, you know, it really, it requires being patient and just putting in the work day after day and not getting too discouraged.
0: That's some good timing. To have a good fitness bump up. Oh, trust me, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, oh, okay,
1: that worked out great. I mean, I'll I'll be honest, I really probably needed that bump two months ago. Sure, yeah. But it is what it is. You just accept, I mean, that's a huge part of sports. You just accept, what is my reality right now? Okay, I can't change anything about the past. All I can change is how I see right now. And, yeah, so... Yeah, I am I would have loved to have that fitness two months ago, but I didn't.
0: <laughs> so now you're going to embrace it just how it is. Totally. Exactly, exactly. That's great. All right, Sarah. Well, I really appreciate your time today. A week out from your first full Ironman. Oh, yeah. It's scary. I can't wait. Well, n- now I'm <laughs> going to track you. And everybody's oh, going to, yeah. um, when your episode drops, I'll be able to uh, give everybody an update on how you did. No, I appreciate that. Thanks, Lindsay. Awesome. Have a great rest of the day. Have a good vacation. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show and sharing your story. That was so fun. You are kind and smart and funny, and I loved talking to you. You did not disappoint. You guys can find Sarah on social media. She is sarah.b.true on Instagram. And she is sgroffy, G-R-O-F-F-Y. That's her maiden name. She's sgroffy on Twitter. And she has a Facebook page as well. You guys can follow me on Instagram. I'm LindsayHine626. That is my favorite social media place to hang out. And you can find me on Twitter, at LindsayHine. We also have a Facebook page and group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsey Hine. I lied, well they didn't lie. Instagram is my favorite social media platform, but I love, love, love our Facebook group. We have so much fun over there and so many great conversations happening. So make sure you check that out as well. Thank you to Victorious for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You guys check out their fitness classes, they're so great. Go to victorious.com slash another to get one month for free. If you guys are looking for more content for me, I put out monthly bonus episodes over on my Patreon page. We are well into the mid twenties over there. I'd say we have at least 25 episodes. If you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine, you can support my work behind the podcast and also get yourself some bonus content. If you guys are loving this show, open up your podcast app real quick for me and leave a rating and review. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And if you are new to the show, I would love it if you'd subscribe. So you do not miss an episode. I do drop bonus episodes every once in a while. And when you subscribe to the show, you don't miss any of those. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show for continuing to tune in and listening every week. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate that you take the time out of your day to listen to these conversations. And I hope that you walk away inspired every single week. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.